Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today, I'm talking with professional basketball player and founder of Revolve, Jory Davis. So for those who don't know Jory, she was born and raised in New Orleans and played college basketball and graduated from Indiana University, where she studied sports communications and sports marketing. She was drafted into the WNBA in 2011 and eventually found her way overseas and has been playing professionally in many different countries since Israel, Romania, Switzerland, Spain, just to name a few. And currently she's hopping on this call from the beautiful country of Italy. So welcome, Jory. Thank you, Kevin. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to finally be on the podcast. I think I binge watched, like binge listen to 10, 10 of your episodes, very informative. So I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, usually, you know, the drill then for my guests, I like to give them the platform for about a minute or minute and a half and let them kind of tell a little bit more of their uh, background and story about how you got involved with hoops and, and just about growing up a little bit. Yeah. So my story quickly, you know, I'm one of those cliche stories at three kind of manifested that I wanted to play play basketball. Um, my mom uh, did, didn't officially, officially allow me to start until I was nine, played for a club called Lady Pride. Uh, Pokey Chapman's sister actually was one of the head over that that program in, in New Orleans, taught me a lot about uh, having pride and, and the real values of being a part of a team. So I, I definitely appreciate the, the foundation it gave to me. Uh, moved around a lot at a young age, lived in England, lived in upstate New York, uh, but I am born and raised in New Orleans. Um, but forever, basketball was my constant. So, I, I mean, I've been in love with the game since three. And I uh, wasn't really good starting. Of course, it was just a lot of hard work and really passion for the game. Um, but traveled around at a young age uh, with the game and eventually got to IU, started to flourish, and then drafted. And, you know, that's where the professional landscape started to take off uh, for me and just learning more about, about my journey. But I think the early ages of moving around allowed set me up to be successful with managing the lifestyle. And that's why I've been able to, to stay abroad for so long, going on my 11th season. And uh, found a lot of love outside of just the game um, with the travel, the people I was meeting. And uh, eventually a lot of the experience I've gathered from sport um, led me to to kind of define what was going to be next for me along the journey and so you know here I am and a lot of things happen in between <laughs> uh, you know relationships love lost love uh, you know agents injuries all types of stuff but um, I always say basketball was my constant um, and I had a great foundation starting off in New Orleans so that's amazing. And, and so real quickly, let's, I, I want to talk about that. It's, it's very rare for 
uh, you know, obviously there are, there are families that have to move internationally, you know, families originally from the States have to move internationally and back. Um, but that, that's rare from a basketball perspective. Do you think that was a, a major impact on maybe just having a love for the international game? I mean, it's, it's, you know, I imagine it was difficult for, because there's, you know, some of the rules are different, right? So mm -hmm. was it, was it hard for you to kind of adjust from, from here to, to being in London and coming back to finishing your high school yeah, I mean, how, how did that affect recruiting? I mean, how, how was that whole, I mean, that had to be kind of like a, a you know, a wrench in, in, in what you were planning for. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I was straight out of New Orleans. So I had <laughs> a, a very strong accent when I first got to the UK. I was, I was like 30 minutes from London. And uh, I guess that was my eighth grade season. That summer I had, you know, of course, pokey, knew our team. So she was looking at our team for prospects. I think there was like UCLA, you know, early age sent some things to my coaches um, with Lady Prime, my AAU team. So there were some coaches starting to put me on their list to watch, of course, going into high school. That's when they start. And then I just disappeared. I went to the UK. And uh, of course, I didn't know how my parents didn't know to stay in contact, maybe send film, let them know what I'm doing there, but we just disappeared. So of course my recruiting stock that disappeared for me. Um, but going over to the UK, I, I was still young. It's like when you tell kids, tell parents, maybe teach their kids another language while they're young. I think I was still young enough to, to kind of go into a new style of play, which is the European style. And that kind of helped me to, to kind of shift my game to do both and not just be athletic and, and everything, but also focus more on skill. Um, and so I think that's where being in the UK as a freshman helped me. Um, it definitely helped me from an educational standpoint, going from New Orleans school system to going to an all girl, you know, pretty good school in Bishop Hatfield. Uh, the curriculum was, was like 10 X. Um, so yeah, that was it was hard for me at the time, but all those elements playing under 18, playing on the pro team, I wasn't paid, of course. So, uh, which IU did look into that. They did an investigation when I first got there to make mm -hmm. sure I didn't get money and make sure I was eligible. But all those elements, once I got back to the States in Rochester, New York, high school was, was easy. <laughs> once I had gone through that year in, in the UK and also my perspective on the game, I matured a lot. So I was able to really kind of progress at a faster rate compared to possibly if I had stayed in New Orleans in high school, my game wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. I mean, the international game has a huge impact as we know on, on, uh, you know, just the overall basketball knowledge as well. We'll get into that in a little mm -hmm. bit, but um, I want to talk about, and, and I don't want to skip over per se your college career because we could sit here and talk about being a top 10 all-time leading scorer yeah. and all the awards that you got but it's in know, the past we it, good <laughs> yep so so you know for the sake of, of time and for the purpose of the episode I do want to talk about the transition from college for you mm -hmm. to the pros so you know m maybe you can just touch on that maybe a 30,000 foot view of like what your mindset was like when you were a senior at Indiana um, who you were leaning on for that for that process, you know, what the agent selection process was like. And, and, and I'm sure I'll, I'll jab in a question here or there along that. Yeah. I mean, I leaned on who we still, many of them lean on. Uh, I went to my coach. She put a name on a piece of paper at the time. I didn't know that was her current agent, but it was, 
um, Eric Wiesel, to be specific. She said, contact him. This is someone I know. But she didn't know exactly the whole landscape, the business, because that's not her job to know. And I also know that now. I leaned on her initially. Um, I leaned on my peers. Hey, you just graduated. Those that had I knew that graduated and, you know, my senior year were playing pro. Those were the individuals I leaned on. Now I know they don't know either. They just, just because they have one year doesn't mean they know the whole business now. They still right. trying to figure it out. Um, so those were the individuals I leaned on. And then of course I leaned on my own understanding because again, my parents, this is a journey they've never taken. So they can't, you know, really tell me anything about the space. Um, the selection process I had, um, again, the senior, there were people hitting me up, but I was focused on school, finishing that my senior year, you know, you don't really, you don't really have time to think about it because you're, you're in the moment. Um, but then you don't even know where to start. Who are these people? You know, why are they hitting me up in Facebook DMs? That doesn't seem professional. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't even interview any of those people. I interviewed those that were closest to the people I trusted. And that's who I went to and I went to Eric Wiesel. He had uh, Monica Wright, obviously WNBA. She was drafted similar playing styles and he was open and transparent and said he had similar players so he couldn't take me on. And then I went to another agent who I ended up signing with, um, asked a few questions like, ah, do you want me? And you know, <laughs> what do you think I could do? Blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. I didn't do due diligence at all. I signed um, and I was drafted in the classroom. My, my, one of my classmates actually told me, she, they stopped the class was like, wait, 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 Jory, congrats, you got drafted. I was like, really? <laughs> and right after he said that my agent called me, it was like, congratulations. And I was like, I would think you would know before I got drafted that there was a possibility, you know, like. That's crazy. Um, I didn't know that detail, that's crazy. So, yeah, found out I was drafted and then the process started. They, you know, emailed me um, and then I decided to the next group of people that were my advisors were two of my managers who were also the managers for the Indiana Fever. And they were the ones advising me. They were the ones telling me, well, this is the setup of the team, Jory. I think you can definitely take these two positions, you know, uh, Stanford first round pick, no way they're going to cut her. No one ever gets cut at first round. So no matter if we think technically you can add better value, well-rounded player to the team, she's not going anywhere. You know, they were the ones telling me and teaching me. Um, they advised me to go do a workout. Stephanie, Stephanie White was a coach at the time. I set up a workout, uh, got to the gym, lights were off, locked. And I hit up my manager who was there. Um, and I was like, hey, no one's here. Can you let me in? Let me in the back door. Found Stephanie Wright, Stephanie White and Coach Klopp in the office. They looked surprised. They were like, oh, I'm sorry. We meant to blah, 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 whatever. Went back home the next day I was cut. Um, and, you know, didn't know, didn't even know much from my agent. She called and was just like, oh, it's BS. They did a three-way trade, blah, blah, blah. Uh, didn't get into any training camp. And then I was in of my WNBA experience from there. Um, wow. And so it was, yeah, a lot of not knowing anything, not being strategic on how we were going to move, not having a plan. Um, and who knows what could have happened. Of course, 
after the fact, a uh, couple coaches, you know, Pokey Chapman to be specific, told, you know, family, friends from New Orleans, like, hey, if they would have been proactive, she could have gotten a different training camp. And I think she would have been able to get her, her foot in the door, but that didn't happen. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so a couple things there. Um, one, I, I guess it's, it's obvious that you need to, as a player, not just rely on one person, not just rely on, even if it's the expertise of one really high powered individual, but you really need to have a handful of people in your crew. Right. So if you could recommend like one or two important people, uh, that college players should rely on during that process, whether it's a, whether it's like a coach or a agent or someone in specific, do you have any recommendations on those types of people or, or at least a couple of them that you, you would recommend players lean on early? You mean, you mean specific businesses and actual no, names or no, just in no, general? Just in general, like the type of people, mm. like, like, Hey, yeah. stay away from friends or yeah. One friend in particular should be important or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I would, I would say no matter who your friend is, if they haven't been in the space overseas, at least I would say three, four years, I wouldn't, I would, I would say four plus years is your safe area to say you're going to talk to an actual current athlete who has been there to get some advice, you know, not a hundred percent of what they say is what you're going to do, but that's one chunk of it. Um, I would, I would seek out if you are going to go to a coach, I would seek out a coach that, you know, has within the past (laughs) three years or four years actually played in that space of, of overseas. Mm. Um, And there are a number of coaches now that have played recently overseas and they coach, I would find those individuals and speak to them. Um, When it comes to any of those individuals giving you insight on the agent you should go with, I would take that with a grain of salt because this business is very, connected and it's political at times even though people have good hearts but a coach might need to do a favor for an agent to get that next coaching job or a player might do something for an agent because they feel that gives that agent they feel that would make that agent want to work harder for them to get a better job and it's human nature we're all trying to level up so always at the end of the day take everything with a grain of salt and go back and look what's best for you and I would say the, the thing is, when you're getting this information, the key person you need is an advisor that uh, I guess is somewhat removed from that. And that's where I think former players that are no longer playing at all, they're not agents or coaches, but they are just individuals now. Maybe they're working in finance, maybe they work in real estate, maybe they're doing a teacher there are a lot of them out there, which is what we've always trying to identify them because those are the people that have been through it, but now they don't have any, they're not tied to the business in right. a way where they can be 100% transparent and look at your, your situation and say, well, this is what I know or what I think. I think that in a, is enough to start. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, really pay attention to what an agent or person that wants to represent you is saying and how they approach you. If they approach you in a very professional manner and they wanna represent you, that usually means it's someone that is serious and they actually feel like they can do work for you and place you. Um, And so 
those are kind of my suggestions, but I also know it's, it's a lot of work to identify those people. Currently, it's a lot of work to identify those people um, yeah. because the market is so fragmented. Great advice. And then at the end of the day, you know, like you mentioned too, but you have to do your own research. You can't just rely on everyone else's opinions. You, you know, you can, you can take advice here and there and then piece it together and then add that to your own, your own research. And then the second thing I just wanted to quickly point out is that, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, um, it can be over as quickly as it started. You know, you can say that for injuries and you can say that for other reasons, but I mean, that's, that's the reality of, of being, yeah. um, a part of the elite of the elite at the top of that pyramid in any sport you're at or whatever you're doing. So um, just wanted to point that out too. Um, and then, okay. So, so transition. So now, all right, so, so you get, basically you get cut and you're, you're thinking what, like, what the heck, like what, what's next? Um, talk about the process of then actually going overseas and maybe, maybe you can give like a little educational piece for the listeners because we've had some guests on here that talks that talked about the men's side. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the women's side. I know shout out to Carlin. You did an amazing piece on his podcast where, where you gave a great overview and there's a great visual piece too on a YouTube video that, that you've shared, but maybe you can kind of summarize that for some of the listeners of, of the overseas process on the women's side. Um, well, my thought process was always WNBA, which I know all of us have that And the quicker you can be realistic with yourself, which is hard, because this is why we make it to the heights we make it. Who, who's thinking about it if I go <laughs> lower? You, you, you. But if you can somewhat be a little realistic, that will help you prepare yourself to have a very healthy, long career in Europe. Um, for me, um, again, I, my agent came Israel, like this is Israel. This is a league that can get you back in training camp at the time. That's what she said. Um, but that, that was it. Um, you know, I didn't do research on is Israel the best starting point for me. I put all my trust, all my eggs in this one basket in this one contract that she presented me with. I would say if you are transitioning and you're a rookie, force them to present a few options, but also look around and see what leagues match your playing style to set you up for more success. I would say, you know, try to identify players that have similar playing styles that came before you and see how they were successful with their journeys. And again, this is a lot of research and nothing has been created yet for you to look at those journeys, but that's kind of what your thought process needs to be and work alongside your agent. Don't put all your, your trust in that agent um, because they're also managing a large number of other players as, to some extent. So, but anyway, I didn't do that. Took the first contract that was available and went to Israel and there were a number of things as far as didn't know I wouldn't have a bank account, didn't know I was going to get paid in, 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 in cash, um, not knowing, you know, every time I went to that uh, exchange place with my cash, USD, getting shekels, how much money I was losing mm -hmm. out on, um, not being prepared straight out of college with for that first month to take care of any expenses because I wouldn't have cash. Possibly the team could possibly be, you know, late payments. Um, a number of just lifestyle things that my agent didn't prepare me for, um, and quite frankly, not many of them prepare players for. Um, and 
you know, again, not knowing exactly what the expectations were of me with that team. So it took me three months to figure that out off trial and error when that could have been something, an upfront conversation that you have with the people that are saying they want to hire you. So you can prepare in the summer for what you're about, what your, what your job is. Um, not understanding the dynamics of my teammates and how I can be successful alongside of them. Those are things you need to pay attention to. So, and we can have a whole list. I think it's just really being aware of how you be successful for your career with the people you're gonna be with for those five, eight months, 10 months, depending on the league. And then your lifestyle, how can I, you know, what is my lifestyle? How can I set myself up to be as comfortable as possible? So that also doesn't take hurt my on court uh, mm. output. And, you know, again, like Carlin's video, he gives a, a really great overview. And one of them I was on of just the different leagues, you know, what's the salary and everything. But um, I also didn't question the salary of my agent. I didn't say, hey, can I have more? I didn't ask for more amenities. You're, you can ask for more. Um, I didn't question or ask for anything. I just said, oh, this is what they gave me. So I guess this is it. And that's not, uh, that's not right at all. They will give you what you accept. Now you hope you can find an agent that's going to push to the limit to get you what you need. But we can be honest that not many in the market are doing that. They're trying to finalize a deal. And if you cool with that deal and sign it, they're not going to ask you any questions. Yeah. And, and, and on that topic, I mean, again, like I just keep going back to communicate, communicate, communicate. Those are just conversations that you can prepare for with your agent um, or agents can prepare for with, with the players beforehand, you know, questioning the salary always, I mean, always ask now, don't get me wrong. Uh, a, a player in your situation that was in the WNBA has more leverage than a player who is looking for their first job. And I've had that mm -hmm. conversation with, with players before. It's like, you, you know, look, I, I appreciate you asking, but you can't demand twice the amount that you're asking for when you've never played before, you know? So yeah. there's, there's, there's levels to it, like everything. Um, but man, that, that, that's such good stuff. I mean, you know, understanding what, what leagues match your playing style, you know, knowing how many imports leagues has and, you know, what your role might be, because that's all going to set up your next contract, your next contract. And then, you know, without going on to a huge tangent of off the court stuff, I mean, that's important too. If you, you know, would never live in Seattle if you're in the States because you hate rain and, and cloudiness and you need sun, you know, don't go play in a country that it rains all the time. Just mm -hmm. don't because you might not be happy. And that's, you know, that's that balance of on-court, off-court stuff, which, um, you know, which is huge. So, um, and then, so, so I guess while we're on this topic, um, you know, right now you're obviously in, in Italy, is there any, any, uh, you know, pointers you, you, you want to talk about a little bit about the Italian league or, you know, um, mm -hmm. some pros, some cons about where you are now and, um, you know, the Italian market? Yeah. I mean, everything for me when I give advice is, is definitely based on the mental health, mindfulness and lifestyle mm -hmm. part of how you choose your career. And um, I would say like in Italy, they are it's a beautiful country. The people are super passionate, emotional people, which can be a great thing, but also it can also be a negative. Um, you know, when, when things are, are, are good, when you're in these small family like clubs, they are passionate, they are for you. Um, but also, you know, it's not as 
businessy because that passion and emotion, it seems like the business is handled as family or as if you're play, pay, playing for a pizza or something like that at times. Mm-hmm. So it's a balance and understanding what's important to you. Maybe you as a player can't handle that, but maybe another player says, you know what? I appreciate this piece of this culture and I'm okay to handle that negative. Cause no matter where you go, no matter what team, what country, there's going to be pros and cons to every country. There might be a country where people are not emotional and passionate and you might like that. Like, I don't want to talk to y'all. Everybody's happy because mm-hmm. we don't talk. We do our job and when I go home, I'm in my own space. Someone else that's an extrovert might be like, yo, this is, I, I don't have anything. I, I can't function. I can't even play. So um, when it comes to Italy, it's a wonderful place. Great food, um, great vino, great culture. The people are very passionate, but it is a very family type business in this country it is i would say more for those extroverts you know they want to touch you they're you know they want to kiss kiss you know yep Um, and if you know it takes a particular type of person because they want to feel that you are also and you love their country you love what they have to offer you know they the italians feel like it's italy's the best place in the world (laughs) that's why they don't really leave their country for the summer they go to their places to the beach so mm-hmm. understanding that uh, if you come and it's like, I don't, I don't want to eat your food. I don't want to do this. That, that might not set you up to, to be successful in this, in this league. Um, from a woman's standpoint, um, I mean, the league is not as strong as it was in the past. Um, and I think that's because the rules haven't changed, like say Spain or France, where they're allowing more imports or their second leagues are allowing imports. I think that set those ecosystems up to, to elevate the level, also elevating their youth. Italy is, again, it's, it's, it's more of a cultural historic type place. You know, they don't evolve as fast as the rest of the world, but also it's a positive thing because you have culture in the family atmosphere and, and more of a mindful type environment compared to the rest of the world. So again, it's trade-offs, but, um, Again, my, my advice always goes to lifestyle part because I think the mental health piece is always tied to the lifestyle of the players that go overseas. Um, and, you know, the playing style in Italy, uh, from the women's standpoint, you know, it's a little faster paced, faster paced, but for the women, they put a lot of pressure on the imports to do to do a lot. You know, it's, it's about winning on Sunday, Saturday, whatever day you play um, compared to a France, it's about winning, but also the other elements of the business is important. Um, in Italy, they haven't reached that point yet. Um, so that's kind of a general I'd feedback on Italy, but it's still a pretty solid league. I wouldn't say it's one of the, the top, top anymore. I would say it's kind of in the middle range. Um, and, you know, it's a healthy mix of being able to be a professional and have a good lifestyle, in my personal opinion. Uh, yeah, I think that's great advice and, and something that I think has changed over the past several years. I know, obviously, more so from experience on the men's side, and, and, and I think similar on the women's is that, you know, in the past, you kind of had to have this almost structured path, you know, take a step here up and take a step here up, take a step here up. And now there's just 
you know, I know that there's more available leagues that are, that are on the men's side, but in the men's side, you just, you really have to find that fit for you because there are leagues that are professional. Maybe they're not the top, 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 but you mm-hmm. get paid and you play the game you love and it's a great atmosphere. And so you could do that for a while. You don't necessarily be, have to be at that top, top. So, you know, right. those other things off the court are, are right. huge. And, you know, you, you, you and, said, v, go ahead. Yeah. And Italy is a great for women specifically. It's a great league. If you do well to go, it is a good step. Take a step up. League. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, if you're a rookie, I would say, you know, like Israel, it's fun. The lifestyle is great. And it's a good league. If you can get there, of course, to, to maneuver, Italy is another one of those, but again, it is a league where you have to be prepared, where you're going to have to do average 15 plus to, uh, step up. Um, Mm. and I think, I mean, for any American, truthfully to, to move up, you have to hit a certain points average that's just how teams make their decisions these days which again we hope changes but to show the value of a player but um, it is a great league to kind of get to a Spain or get to a France if you if you play well great and and what I was gonna say before is too like the off-court stuff I mean you said the word vino and that that's a trigger for me because I spent a lot of time overseas and I love it and 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 that's true you know some places they don't have a nice family-oriented um, you know, like off-court lifestyle, like they do in Spain or Italy or, um, you know, so that's just important to know. Um, right. Awesome. So, so we talked a lot about on the court stuff um, and, and we can do that for hours and hours, but one of my favorite topics to talk about, which we're going to dive into now is post-career and preparing mm-hmm. for post-career. So I say often to, to, to my clients and anyone, anybody that I can talk to is, you know, how are you using the game to open doors for the rest of your life? Or, or what are you doing right now to prepare that will help you open doors when you're done playing or when the ball stops bouncing, which we all know could be, God forbid, an injury or whatever could be tomorrow, right? So mm-hmm. I want to transition into, into your um, preparation for post-career and then really talk a lot about Wevolve and what you have going on and tell the audience what Wevolve is because uh, I'm a big fan and I think it can help a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the transition, again, I'm, I'm more of a experience and love learning from other people's failures, truthfully. Um, um, I think since college, I've always had a summer job. I worked at Fortune 500 companies under women CEOs, Tosses, Smithfield Telephone. So I always knew I needed to just put myself in those spaces since college. I, I wasn't in the summer just chilling. Um, and also in the summers, when I would come home from overseas, I had jobs. I worked at McDonald's in their management program to get a certificate to be able to be a manager at fast food restaurants. Um, I've worked at uh, like a YMCA during the, doing the camps and being a, a manager of that. I've done the USJN Nike EYBL tournaments, plenty of years traveling around the states, setting up the tournaments. Um and, and different things. So I think one thing when it comes to the transition, I've always learned is that I constantly heard those before me say, ah, I played, I did this and I didn't do these things. People are still saying the same thing. And I just took their advice and I actually said, well, I'm going to do what they say they didn't do. <laughs> and that's just be somewhat proactive with my time. Um, and I think uh, that's one thing I would say in the transition, it doesn't start when you're done. In my opinion, the transition and building the skills you need to transition is during the journey. 
doing small jobs, learning, doing different things, experiencing different corporate worlds so you can identify what you want to do um, or how these different things can ultimately take pieces and create what you want to create as an entrepreneur. So um, for me, I've always been kind of working and doing different things. And I think that opened my mind to, to kind of understand like what I ultimately wanted to do, what I didn't want to do. And uh, it was one, my seventh year overseas, I started to really read more uh, Miracle Morning being about more mindfulness and meditation and then uh, start late, finish rich. Uh, truthfully, just was in a space where I was like, man, I'm, I'm getting older. This money for me isn't nothing big this might be it, you know, I'm, 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 I feel like, you know, I was leading, I led the league that year in Italy. And I was like, man, I see all these other people. I, I think they're making more than me. Of course, we don't know salary. So we're all assuming. And I was ready to quit. And I started to brainstorm, well, what do I want to do? And from my experience, you know, one year when I didn't get a job after Israel, um, I worked at Paychex for six months before I got a job. And so I've realized in a number of my experiences, I don't want to work corporate. I don't want to go sell or anything like that's no. Um, and that's what led me to start looking at reading books that said, well, if you start a business, you identify problems and da, 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 da. And I said, okay, I have to identify problems. Well, shit, I'm going through some stuff right now. That's a mm -hmm. big problem. And I know there are a number of things in the space I'm in. Um, and that's where, the transition of my mindset started at that particular moment. But I think the transition started in college, every summer taking a job, every summer, not just doing the camps for the university and my coach, but actually having a job, having to write a resume and get approved, go through interviews and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I think, um, that's so powerful. And, and I'm going, I mentioned earlier, I'm going up to watch a few college practices here the next couple of days and high school practices. And I can't wait to, to talk to some of the players and just, you know, a lot, a lot of times I'll ask, Oh, what's it like, you know, being an agent playing overseas. No, no, no. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about like, how, what are you doing now? Like, how are you differentiating yourself? Are you just working those camps? Are you just showing up at class or are you like going above and beyond to prepare yourself for what's going to happen mm -hmm. after? We can talk about basketball all day. I want you all to make millions of dollars, right? I want my clients to make millions of dollars. That's unrealistic, right? We're going to, we're, we're going to shoot for it, but you also have to say like, what else are you doing? And so that's why I just, I love the path of Weevolve and, and what you guys go, have going on there. And so, um, you know, on that topic, where, where is the, maybe tell the audience where the stage is at right now, like where, mm -hmm. where Weevolve is at and um, where people could find out more about you and what the, what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Well, I mean, Weevolve is, is where our culture, our, our sports culture, you know, connects in with technology. It's where it collides. And um, the goal is to create a, a private members only platform for, for global athletes um, to find, validate and discover anything they might need to manage their career and their lifestyles. And we want to create an ecosystem where they can manage all those moving parts in one place. Uh, we found that the, the sports world is very fragmented. Um, we found that the commercial side of the business is innovating. Data is helping them make better decisions. Um, yet for us to make better decisions, for us to identify that agent or for us to identify the path we should probably take based on data, 
we don't have those things, but it can very well so help us. And so that's ultimately, you know, the path we've always trying to take. Um, but right now, we are in the community building piece because we hold the knowledge. Um, one thing I, I feel strongly about is I hold knowledge. Carlin holds his own specific knowledge. Tony Easley, you know, everybody, LeBron holds his knowledge for that space of the, the sports world. Um, how can we assemble this and package it to create the tool we need? And that's, that's our goal. Our goal of Evolve is to assemble all that knowledge into a space and allow technology to, to, to really elevate and scale that um, and, and empower people like a Carlin to be able mm -hmm. to scale their businesses um, compared to having to fight with all the other noise in the industry. And so right now we, we're in community building phase, but we are uh, finalizing our, our MVP launch in better and it'll be closed to a private group of athletes. Um, and so we're, we're in that phase, but of course, right now we, we're just a resource. We're a resource. Athletes can ask anything, you know, like, and it helps us to learn all of the different types of questions and pain points athletes have that maybe we haven't identified and we do our best to go get that answer because we hope that our solution will have every answer. Um, and so that's, that's ultimately, you know, what, what we evolve is it's, it's a management tool to allow athletes, you know, to be manage their careers on their own, if need be, um, but also their lifestyles um, and find the validated resources and relevant people within that space. That's amazing. If, you, if you're an athlete listening, I highly recommend you check this out and stay tuned uh, to what Jory and Weevolve and, and this, this community of uh, experienced professionals are doing because it's, it's, it's invaluable. And at the very least, if you don't check them out, ask yourself the question about what you're doing, how to prepare yourself for, for, uh, for life after the game. Um, so, so as I mean, we've been talking for a while here. I know we can go for hours more as we transition towards the end. I had a couple other questions for you. I know you talked about, um, talked about some obstacles you went over and, 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 and how you learned from that. And so I guess the last main question here is, um, I know it's a loaded question, but if you have one tip or secret or piece of advice for a player right now who is not at the pro level yet, but they want to play at the next level, what would that, what would that recommendation be for them to focus on right now? I would say focus on like what your true goals are. Like sit down and say, look, what, what do I want from the game next? Be as honest with yourself as possible. Ask those questions. Am I pushing towards a pro career because I really don't know what I'm going to do next. So I'm just going to keep going. That's a question to ask mm. because there are people that can help you figure that out. You don't have to force yourself into this space because if you force yourself into this pro space and it's really doing it out of not knowing what's next, you're going to just find yourself wasting time and you're going to, it's not going to be a happy situation. So I say the, the biggest advice is to stop don't talk to anyone yet. Find out what you want. What, what are those questions that maybe you're nervous to ask yourself? Um, and if you know, like, yes, I want to still play, you know, well, where do you want to play? Do you, do you want to like study and play? Do you want to travel and play? Do you want to make the most money because 
maybe the lifestyle you have now, you need that you money. Need um, all those questions, figure out where you are in your life, what you need. And then once you create that plan of whatever it is, because it's fine, if you need money, that's fine. That's your goal. And now whoever you approach, the agent, whoever say, look, I need money because of X, Y, Z, this is our goal. That coach can get you there. If you want to travel, <laughs> I want to travel because of X, Y, Z. I want to do this. This is my lifestyle. I want to work here. Know those, know that. And then you can better find the people who can get you closer to that goal. Um, but don't just jump into it. That's that's my biggest advice is a plan. Think of Think through it and ask yourself those questions and that will be like half the battle. That's really good. That's, that's great stuff. Um, so again, th this was amazing. I appreciate you coming on before we officially wrap up here. I have what I call a sports business lightning round. So I'm going to fire some questions at you. You got to hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind. Mm, got it. Here, here we go. Favorite color. Blue. Most points you've ever scored in the game in your life. 41. Ooh, pizza or pasta. Pasta. The famous one, MJ or LeBron? <laughs> MJ. One of the coolest cities that you've been to in the world. I know it's tough. Oh. You can give a couple a, if you want to. That is a really tough one. Coolest cities. I'm going to have to give um, Tel Aviv the, the win. I, I mean, even though I love Italy, but for as cool as city, um, Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is, is a good, good city. That's a good one. What is something that you're really bad at? Being concise. <laughs> that could be I a talk strength too. Much. That, I that talk too much. Too. I'm trying to get uh, that under control, but yeah, being short is, is, I'm not good at it. What is one of your biggest strengths? My passion. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Uh, oof, I have I have a lot of people that have helped me, um, but I would definitely say my mother. Um, I definitely say my my grandmother, um, and then the third person. I would say should I have to say my stepdad. I think I think my core. My, my home base is, is solid. They've taught me a lot of lessons, lessons by watching as well. So I can't give no credit to, to anybody else. Like I think my foundation was always solid. That's, that's the good part. I'm blessed, blessed to have that. Great. What was your first ever job? First ever job. Uh, which one? I'm trying to think. My first ever job was, was, Tosses, um, no, not Tosses, Smithfield Telephone in college. That was my first job, uh, tele telecommunications company, Darby McCarthy, an alum of Indiana University. That was my first job in marketing. Nice. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Higher elevated wisdom. Ooh. Like a super a good one. higher state of wisdom. That's a great one. Two more here. If you could trade jobs with any person in any industry for one week just to live their life in their shoes, who would that be? <sighs> That's a hard question. To trade 
the position. I would think it would be like a one of the best, one of the best restaurants in like one of the islands. I don't know which island yet, but like Jamaica or Bali, like a like a tourist favorite. That's like a, a hippie vibe restaurant. One of the best ones. I would. And, I would. And running it or owning it. Yeah, owning it, owning it, mm. and well, running and owning it because that's something that you know is a daydream of mine. Like you know, knowing knowing my locals, having a, a restaurant. You know, food. Every food is the key to people' heart. I'm from New Orleans, mm. so I understand the power of food and gathering. So, for me, if I could trade a space, trade spots with someone, it would be owning and running a restaurant that is is really approved by the locals and the tourists, and just being in that ecosystem would be dope. Great. And last one here: if you could turn back time and talk to 18 year old Jory, what would you tell her? 18-year-old Jory. Um, I think I would tell tell myself the same, the same, someone else asked me this question, like, keep the same heart no matter what happens. Um, stay, stay true to yourself and um, don't lose the dreamer mentality. It's inspiring people around you. That's great. That's really good. Well, Jory, this was amazing. Again, uh, you know, I think we might have to start doing uh, multiple series with my guests because you have uh, a lot of knowledge that you can share with people. And I know uh, e even this uh, this under an hour episode, there's uh, there's a lot of gems. I was taking notes myself. I know a lot of people are going to learn from it, and I'm excited to see where um, you know where you you guys go with Weevolve, and obviously where you finish there in Italy this year. I'll be watching, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to hanging again soon. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Kevin, and again. The podcasts have been super inform informative for us. Um, you know, my business partner, Julie, Julie Woida and Tarb, she is the biggest fan. So I'm going to let you know that. Oh, yeah, she is, you got to connect She's texting me on WhatsApp us. like, yo, Kevin, episode five. I'm like, dang, you went all the way down to five? She's like, we need to get this guy on the phone. I'm like, look, I've already talked to him. She's like, yeah, really? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was like, we got, we got time, you know, let the universe work. We'll, we'll find ways to connect to some extent. So yeah, I love definitely it. love what you're doing as well. And, you know, again, that's, we, we love, that's our goal. We've all empowered those the boutique agencies, as we said. So that's definitely amazing. Keep I love going, it, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.